This week on Phone Calls with Clever People, we're having a conversation on conversations. My clever friend, Paul Matthews, is the author of an upcoming book called Switch, From Telling to Powerful Conversations. And he told me recently that conversations are a bit like rocket fuel for leaders. They build trust and they're a catalyst for change, growth and innovation. Well, they certainly are if we get them right. I wanted to give him a call and pick his brain on what it looks like to do leadership conversations well. Hi everyone and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author and mentor from Melbourne, Australia and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. It's so great to have my friend and guest Paul Matthews joining me today. Paul's a speaker, mentor and coach helping power up leader communication results and engagement to ultimately build trust and fast track change. He's the author of a great upcoming book called Switch from Telling to Asking and I've been really looking forward to jumping into a conversation about conversations today. Paul, thanks so much for joining me. Welcome. Can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. Very yes. Very to be here. I'm, I've been so looking forward to talking about the com- having a conversation on conversations. Um <laughs> Which it does. It feels very Inception, doesn't it? It does indeed. <laughs> um, but we're going to be talking about, um, obviously, conversations. How do we have them well? Um, what, is it, what does it look like to actually have real meaningful conversations within the workplace and to better communicate with employees and engage employees? Um, but one of the things I often like to do when we start is kick off with some fast facts. And so the fast facts are three simple questions. Number one, where did you grow up? Number two, what was your first job? And number three, what are you doing with yourself now? That's easy questions to begin with. Um, I grew up in South Wales in the UK in the 70s and 80s. And I stayed in the UK till uh, till about 12 years ago. My first job there was as an event uh, coordinator um, for uh, the engineering industry. And now I am, as you said, a speaker, mentor, a coach, and I work with leaders and organizations to help them get High performance through powerful communication. I love that. And we, we have, I think we connected over our mutual love of communication, but I didn't know that you were also in event management, which is where I started as well. So maybe there's a designed career pathway for people who want to get into communication, yeah. <laughs> or maybe Quite we're just possibly. used to working with big groups of people who, who where we need to communicate en masse. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I want to jump into this conversation about conversations. That's that's never going to get old throughout all of this. Um, but one of the things that I was reading recently, obviously, um, I do some work with Gallup and and hearing some of the conversations that they're having around some of the big shifts in the global workforce at the moment. We're, we're in the middle of a really big shift in the global workforce, right? And yeah. as a result of that, we've all got to change. We've all got to evolve. What are some of your, I guess, insights or perspectives around what's happening in, in the, I guess, the global workforce at the moment? Yeah, look, I think there's two aspects to that, Shane. The first is it's not just the workforce that has changed. Mm. It definitely has, but it's also work. 
So we are much more in a, you know, particularly in the last six months, in a much more remote environment. It's very change heavy. The complexity at work is much more, it's much deeper. Mm. Um, but yeah, the, the other aspect to that is really around the workforce has evolved. And I'm not quite sure that our leadership has evolved in line with that. And I'll, I'll explain a little bit why. So right now, there are more younger people in the workforce than ever before. But there's also a larger number of generations. So we've got older and younger people in the workforce. And they all have specific preferences and styles uh, of leadership and training and communication that they respond to. So there's a lot talked about, you know, Gen Y being a very um, high-maintenance generation that's just not the case actually every generation has their own kind of nuances and Mm. needs from leaders and one of the big things that i experience now is is around the fact that we are much more educated so i know in australia by 2028 one in two individuals joining the workforce is going to have a degree so those people are just and, and most others even at my age you know in their 40s and 30s we're hardwired now to have our say at school and at university. We're programmed to contribute. So employees now, they want to be involved. And if we don't involve them, then we set a ceiling upon our results. It's more about the question around whether we involve employees is kind of obsolete. It's how we go about that. Yeah, that, that kind of mirrors a little bit of what Gallup's saying. One of the big five shifts they've seen is that people who are entering the workforce don't just want another manager who you know tells them what to do. They want a coach who can involve them in a conversation and help them feel like they're contributing to part of the conversation. And I guess when we're talking about this idea of conversation, um, we're not just talking about you know, every day hallway, you walk in, you say hi to someone. Like, what are we actually talking about? When, when we talk about real conversations here, what are we actually talking about? My my model around powerful conversations is really, really about helping leaders focus the effort and action that they're trying to get out of employees on their uh, corporate strategy. So it's I ask leaders um, it, when I when I help leaders have a powerful conversation, it's actually four aspects. So I really help them open their mind to mm. having a two way discussion rather than telling people what to do. And it's about building a deeper connection. So for me, conversations isn't something that you say. It's a way. It's mm. actually how, it's a how for leaders. It's how to lead rather than something to, as an optional extra. I need to Too jump often. in there because that's, that, that's definitely going to tweet. Um, it's conversations, <laughs> not just what you say. It's a way. Is that what you just Absolutely. said? Absolutely. Okay, that's Absolutely. that's going to go um, viral on Twitter because that's that's a <laughs> that's a really nice um, uh, statement around conversation. So sorry, carry on. Yeah, I I've um, what I've learned, particularly in the last six months in writing my book Switch, I've interviewed lots of leaders. Um, I was talking to the the CEO. Michael Schneider of Bunnings, you know, he manages one of Australia's most trusted and loved brands. His his view is that communication is how you lead. Mm. It's not something that you add on at the end of the day. It's not something on your to-do list. It's the way of leading. Mm. And in order to make conversations really powerful, leaders need to invest time in really getting a deeper connection with their people. So it comes back to this understanding your audience. 
and knowing what their needs are and connecting those to the needs of the organization. So, yeah, those corridor conversations, you know, the water cooler moments, they're important to build a connection. But I'm asking leaders to really be, um, you know, purposeful about creating an infrastructure in their days and in their their year, if you like, an infrastructure mm. that really manifests in leading and hosting a conversation. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I like that you're, you're touching on here is like, how do we make sure that communication doesn't just become something that we're adding on or something that we're, um, you know, it just becomes a bit of a side project, but actually how do we embed this um, intentional communication in the day-to-day, yeah. in the moment-to-moment? So it becomes a, yeah. almost this essence of who we are rather than something Absolutely. we just do. And look, it's not, it's um, what I've tried to do in my book, but also in my conversations is to really help, um, you know, that there's a right brain understanding of why communication is important, important, but there's also a left brain. And I work quite a lot with engineers that say to me, well, show me the stats, show <laughs> me the stats about why um, communication or two-way conversation is important. And there's real evidence from science, um, neuroscience, that shows that when you have a conversation with somebody, uh, actually, when you have a when you tell somebody what to do, their brain has a flight or fight response. It mm. has a stress response and shuts down. So that kind of old-fashioned command and control leadership, which has dominant, you know, dominant dominant behaviors, uses fear to get people to do things, actually is proven as the least effective way to lead. Mm. And the flip side of that is that when you ask somebody to be involved or you open up a conversation, the brain actually creates a bonding mechanism, which helps to build trust and build ownership um, in employees. And that's what I call the rocket fuel. That's what really ignites mm. employees and, and lifts results for businesses. Uh, one one of the conversations I was having um, early on in, in this phone call to Clever People was with Dr. Karen Morley and we were talking yeah. about gender bias. And one of the conversations we were having was about um, compliance training, which is basically just getting people in a, into a room and telling them what they shouldn't do. And some of the research that's come out about that actually results in people being more likely to be perpetrators of sexual harassment as opposed to um, helping people. And, and again, part of what you're saying here is like the moment we step into that mode of I'm going to tell you what you should do, I'm going to kind of, um, you know, boss you around, it automatically, whether or not we, we like it or not, we, it automatically kicks us into that defensive mechanism, which is never going to help build trust or, or never going to help connect no. us with the people that lead us, right? Absolutely. And what you're actually doing, if you're enforcing the rules, which is what compliance training is, you're actually creating a culture of compliance. Mm. So you create, you're putting a roof, you, you know, you're putting a ceiling over ideas, but innovation and, and improvement. You're actually telling people what to do. And when a leader does that one-on-one, -on -one, what you're doing is driving compliance with, your, with the leader's ideas. Mm. So you're really narrow in your thinking. Um, and you lose yeah, out, right? You lose out the absolutely. exposure to some of these new ideas and new creative ways of thinking. Um, and one of the conversations I've been having with someone recently is this whole idea around bringing diversity into our conversations, not just in terms of culture, mm. but also um, thinking styles and um, all kinds of diversity. Because 
um, familiarity maybe makes us more comfortable because when we're around people that are similar to us or like us, we maybe feel a bit more comfortable. But actually that diversity of thought makes us better and helps us bring better ideas to the surface. And Absolutely. you can't get that without good conversations, right? No. And why would you build a team you know, with talented, bright, young and old individuals and then tell them what to do? Mm, it's a great question. We'll just let that sink in for a moment. Why would you <laughs> spend all this time? And again, like why would you spend time in recruiting the best people from diverse backgrounds and having a really great diverse team and then not taking time to listen to what they actually have to say? Absolutely. So, so we're going to talk about, I guess, this idea of conversations, right? And we, we're talking, I guess, a little bit broadly, but what we're narrowing down here on a bit more on is this idea of how do we shift from telling people what to do to building these trusting conversations, right? And that's kind of the essence yep. of, of the book that, that um, is coming out soon. And so maybe tell us a little bit more about some of the learnings that you're getting out of the book. Like what have you learned since, because you've interviewed a lot of people, what have you been learning out of that experience about um, in writing the book? So one of the people that I interviewed quite recently was John Batfield. At um, he's the CEO of ePay, and this was in only about six weeks ago. And he said to me, I was asking him about you know what do you do day to day to build trust in your organisation. And so he has lots of regular two way conversations, but he also has a monthly roundtable with mm. you know fifteen random people from the organisation. He knows them all individually and he said to me that and so I see that as being authentic and I see that as him building a deep connection with his employees and he said to me I asked him how 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 he's found you know flipping the business when we've got a pandemic how are you how are you coping and he said that's been really easy he's got a real high high trust relationships with his employees so actually flipping his business to a different model has actually been really easy. Mm. So it's a big learning about actually trust is also a big driver in resilience, which obviously now more than ever is really important mm. for businesses. So it's like an elastic band. It makes you really stretchy when it comes to really, you know, changing, innovating, having to deal with issues or, you know, crisis. Two-way conversations really put credit in the bank and help you kind of go further faster. Mm, that's a that's a nice a nice kind of phrase. Like it puts credit in the bank. I was in a conversation recently, um, and it might have been Adam Voigt said something that I, I really loved. He said, "What would people get to the other side of this um, crisis or this kind of climate?" And say we wish we'd had more of X. And yeah. when I when he when he said that, the immediate thought that went through my head was, well, probably what a lot of people are saying, and kind of what that what I'm hearing is, are people who said we probably wish we'd done more to build our relational currency, um, which is yeah. that kind of trust and that connection. Because the moment you mobilize a workforce to become remote, you now all of a sudden have to have this new level of trust and belief in people that people are doing their work, that people are getting their jobs done, without feeling like you need to micromanage or check in on people where it's maybe a little bit easier when you're face to face with people. And so again, like what you're doing when you're building these conversations is almost putting relational currency in the bank, right? So that when you do hit some of these big situations and it doesn't have to be a global pandemic, it can be anything for your organization, you can draw on relational currency rather than going into debt or yeah. going into credit, right? Totally. And I see that in the, I was talking to this, um, the MD of innovation at Cisco, like one of the world's biggest IT businesses mm. a couple of months ago. <clears throat> and he was saying that this pandemic has, you know, totally disrupted, um, created a big disruption in the last six months that they've been trying to lead for the last 10 years. 
Mm. So from a technology point of view, that's happened. But I feel like this is also disrupting how we should lead. Mm. So leaders that previously perhaps weren't able to commit or to trust people to work at home or to work digitally, for example, um, you know, tended to tell people what to do and now having no option but to evolve. And so, I mean, when we're getting into this place where we're trying to move away from, which like any kind of bad habit, it's it's hard to break, right? When you're in a yeah. mode where you're used to telling people what to do. And m- most people probably wouldn't feel like, they're naturally like that. But again, like, again, it can come across that way in terms of the way that we lead. If it's not conscious and intentional, we can be unconsciously telling people and, you know, and so part of this again is number one about raising our awareness of, okay, how much of my, um, my conversations are one way and how could I be more intentional about making those two way conversations? But what is, let's get into some of the practical side of this. Like what are some of the things that we need to do to help us shift out of that mode where we're telling to actually where we're having these really trusting conversations and meaningful conversations? So, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Letting go is really hard, mm. really hard. And so I would say the first thing to do is to really try and listen. Mm. And it's it's not glamorous to somebody that wants to tell everyone what to do. Leaders often feel that I talk to often feel like they need to come up with all the answers or they need they feel like they want to solve all the problems in the team. But once you once you start to let go in some areas, that can be significant and, um, you know, it helps you let go in others. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm really looking at, um, looking at this with leaders around, how do you try and build that in? So I say that every communication that you have really has to have um, a reason. Mm. So, for example, a, a team meeting isn't just about getting people in a room and telling them. It's actually really around, okay, what's the role of the team? How are we delivering on the corporate strategy? And really ask, um, really asking, I'm giving leaders four questions to ask their people. And Mm. the first one is, help me understand what what is your role? How are you making your contribution? What do you see? How do you think your performance is? And where are you going in the future? So there's four really powerful questions there that leaders can use to start a, a really powerful conversation with wow. their team. Can, can, we, can we say them again? Because I think any one of them individually would be a good question to ask and would open up a, a, a channel yeah. of conversation. But can you go through those again? So number one. Yeah. So the first one is, what is your role? Mm. So is that in um, terms of like, what's your role on the team? What's your role within the organization? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. what's your role in the team? And how do you see that as fitting into the bigger picture? Yeah, great question. The second one is, what is your contribution? So you, you might know what you need to do, but how are you going to make that contribution? What mm. projects, what skills do you bring? What conversations are you having to make that happen? Uh, the other one, the next one, number three, is around... What is your performance right now? So having a really honest conversation around, you know, if if your performance needs to be X and Y, where do you think you're performing right now? Yeah. And then the last one is really about what is your future? What are your aspirations? What do you need to start, stop and keep doing Mm. to move forward? And I actually think these are cut both ways. So, you know, 
traditionally as communicators and as HR leaders, we want to help build a line of sight between you know the employee and the big picture. Mm. So this is these are also powerful questions for employees to ask their managers. Yeah, I mean, one of the conversations I'll often have, especially um, with the people that I work with in the not-for-profit, um, is that there is so much good work um, and so much um, that an organization can accomplish collectively. And a part of a leader's role is to help people who are on the front lines to draw that line of sight between what they do day to day and ultimately what you're able to collectively achieve together. But again, it's the same for a team member within a team. So helping a team member see how their day to day work when they're sitting at home in front of their computer um, or they're working remotely with kids and animals kind of all around their desk and they're going, you know, why do I show up every day? Part of a leader's responsibility, when you ask that question about where do you aspire to be or what what do you want, where do you see your role in the big picture here, what you're doing is helping open up the dialogue and conversation around their part in the bigger picture, right? Absolutely. And it's about, you know, when you have a conversation, it really helps both the leader and more so the employee find meaning mm. in their work. But it also, you know, enhances belonging. Mm. And we're a social species. We, you know, we want to come together. We want to exchange ideas. We want to, we want to work as a team. That's just factored into our DNA. Mm. So having conversation, it, it just makes sense. Yeah. And in many ways, like most people wouldn't argue with this, uh, the whole topic that we're talking about. Most people know that conversations are important, but there's also a big difference between knowing that conversations matter and also being unintentional with our conversations that result in not having good conversations, right? Like I started sure. this kind of conversation with you around, um, you know, conversations are like rocket fuel for leaders. And I absolutely agree that they are if we do them well. And I think mm-hmm. all this ultimately is coming down to what we're talking about here is, is are you intentional with the conversations that you're having? Um, are you yeah. thinking it through the lens of um, how do I receive in this conversation, not just how do I give in this conversation, right? Absolutely. It's about, you know, I say that leaders have a set of engagement superpowers yeah. and only one of those is talking. Yeah, the right. others are around listening, feeling, giving understanding what people need mm. in order that, you know, if you use your kind of your senses, that are already built in to really get under the skin of who are who are the employees, who are the people, the humans in your team, mm. what do they need to to you know to really succeed? And there's some um, interesting Google research uh, from last year actually that says you know the managers that are really excelling and thriving at the moment are those that feel like they work for their team, but their team doesn't work for them. Mm. So really having that kind of, I'm here to serve my team so that we can win together. Yeah, wow. It actually goes the flip side of the historical, you know, role of leaders, which is around authority and superiority and hierarchy. It's, it's the very opposite of what it was 20, 30 years ago. Mm. Which in many ways makes sense if you think about it through the perspective of most people feel better when they give to others as opposed to when they receive from others. And so it makes sense that if you're working as part of a team, you're going to feel more like you've made a valuable contribution if you feel like you've added value to your team members rather than feeling like your team members are just servants of you in your role, right? Totally. Absolutely. And look, you have to come from the place that you believe that all employees and all leaders come come to work to do a good job. Mm. And so my 
what I'm trying to do is give them the t- give leaders the tools to really activate that, mm. and that's what a powerful conversation is. Yeah, I love that. I mean, one of my big takeaways from this conversation is why would we spend all this time, resource, energy, effort, uh, and money? bringing in really clever people, great people into the room, giving them a seat at the table and then not listening to what they have to say. Um, And how can we make sure that we embed this practice of two-way conversation, allowing a person to feel heard into our day-to-day leadership? Those are, I mean, a couple of huge takeaways from me and I'm sure Mm -hmm. they'll be really valuable for people that are listening. Um, Is there anything, last thing you kind of want to leave us with in terms of any tips or advice or kind of um, anything at all that you feel like would add value to people? Sure. Look, I know that making the switch from telling to powerful conversations isn't, uh, it isn't, it isn't easy, but it's straightforward. Mm. And that's the, the, you know, that's the step-by-step guide through my book switch. So hop on to paulmatthews.com.au forward slash switch, sign up for a free chapter and update. Um, and, um, yeah, it's going to be out in about four weeks. Oh, that's fantastic. And again, you, you beat me to it because I was about to tell everyone. So one of the two of the things that I love encouraging people to do at the end of this show is number one, reach out and connect with you on LinkedIn because you put out content all the time and um, it's a chance to be able to hear some of your latest thinking on LinkedIn, but also at paulmatthews.com.au, uh, which I'll put in the comments um, as well. I'll put in the show notes um, a little bit later on when we upload this um, is where people can grab hold of the sample chapter of your book and stay up to date with some of the latest updates for that. And one of the things I love about, um, I guess, following your journey, both as a, you know, a colleague, but also as a friend is watching um, the work that you're putting in behind the scenes and in actually asking um, and putting into practice what you're doing, what you're talking about in the book, you're actually going to business leaders and having conversations about conversations. And I, I love that you, you kind of walk <laughs> the talk with this. And so I know that the, when the book comes out, it'll be absolutely fantastic. And I'd encourage everyone to get their hands on a copy of that. Um, but Paul, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you uh, just dropping by and having a conversation and letting us share that conversation with the rest of the world. Thanks, Shane. I've enjoyed it. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.